An ownership change could spark another name change for the Washington Commanders team name. It would be the third in five years. But a pretty reputable source says it likely isn't going to happen. That and more coming up on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, Commanders fans, to the Locked On Commanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, so please subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast so you always get the latest episodes when they drop. I'm David Harrison, credential member of the media covering the Commanders for Commander Country, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. And you can find me here, there, or on Twitter at dharrison82 or text me anytime at 202 760 Thank you to you for making the Logs On Commanders podcast your first listen or your first view of the day. Today, we're asking if the Washington Commanders could be in the trade-up market on day one of the NFL draft. We're dispelling one ownership rumor, and we're looking at some boom or bust prospects that the Commanders could take a chance on. But first, the Washington Commanders franchise is here to stay, even if its owner likely, probably, almost assuredly, uh, is not. And that is according to team president Jason Wright via Matt Paris of the Washington Times, who told Paris, quote, no, because they're business folks, when asked about the new ownership group potentially changing the name from Washington Commanders, continuing on by saying, quote, they're thinking about how we can continue to grow attendance, how we can continue to drive up the value of the business, how we can invest in a championship. It's about winning a healthy business and a new venue. Those are the big priorities, end quote. Now, this is a question that's come up several times. Um, I've done a couple of radio spots on various stations here in the past week or so, and this topic has come up uh, in each of those appearances and, and conversations about whether or not a new ownership group could potentially change the name from Washington Commanders. And I gave the same answer that I'm going to say here. And, and Jason Wright, certainly, I mean, he's he's been... Uh, I don't know how much he's been involved in direct conversations with these ownership groups or the tours and and all these things, but obviously he is somewhat involved uh, in this process and would know more than I would sitting here uh, talking about it. But the potential of the team name change uh, is is one that obviously is is interesting to fans, right? Because coming into the well, the first name change, first of all, wasn't all that well received, you know, wide and far. Certainly, uh, there are folks who kind of understand it, and certainly there are reasons behind it. Um, that we don't need to necessarily rehash all these years later here on today's program. But that team moniker, Washington football team, was brought in. A lot of people made fun of it. It became memes. It became, you know, the butt of the made the team the butt of the joke or the the butt of the NFL joke, all that stuff, right? But after a couple of seasons, honestly, a lot of people it started to to grow on them. I've got, you know, there's there's friends of mine that are Washington Commanders fans uh that still to this day say that they would actually prefer to have Washington football team back and just keep it uh keep it that way. But coming into the the search for the new team name, you know how much of that of the fan influence was actually uh, a part of that new team name search, uh, and how much of it wasn't really is still up to debate. Obviously, you know some of the evidence, some of the signs point to uh, not being so much of a fan involved uh, decision process. But you know, as as the names, as the options kind of progressed, uh, the I think the favorite by and far was Red Wolves. Obviously, did not get done there are multiple reasons that potentially didn't get done. And a lot of people think that it had to do uh, with money and not wanting to pay for the license to be able to use the name. And certainly that's a possibility uh, and a decision that was made above my pay grade or your pay grade, unfortunately. 
So there's a lot of people who wonder if, if a new ownership group comes in, could they change the name to maybe Red Wolves? Could they loosen the pocketbooks up uh, to go pay for that license and be able to bring that in? And the answer is sure, they could, right? There's nothing that that says uh, that you know an NFL ownership group can't come in and, and change the name of the franchise. Uh, there are some some stipulations on how far ahead the NFL needs to have, you know, the proposal and it's got to be approved and and how long before they can actually enact it, all those other things. So it won't be like an overnight change, even if it happened. But there's no guarantee that it's actually going to happen because, and I think Jason Wright is is on the same the right path here when you're talking about running the business at the end of the day. And this is what we said uh, when the name Washington Commanders was unveiled, right? If the Washington Commanders win, then that name is going to become synonymous with winning. And when that name becomes synonymous with winning, then people are going to uh, appreciate it even more. And honestly, you go back to Washington football team, like we're, we're getting ready to come into the second season of Washington Commanders football. By the time a third season comes around, fourth season comes around, you know, some people may on, on occasion, you might say, oh, I remember back when the name came out, I didn't like it and I still don't really like it. But if there's a Super Bowl championship behind it. Are you going to go buy a Super Bowl t-shirt, Super Bowl hat, hoodie, whatever? Uh, you know, probably because that's what that's what fans that's what fans do. Right. And that becomes uh, a way of making that name uh, become important to a fan base and to a community and all those things. So that's the first step, right? Investing in the championship. And that's what Jason Wright uh, was talking about here. And that's why I think to me, the front runner on this, this whole deal has to be the Josh Harris group, right? Josh Harris himself has a sports ownership background, some success, some lesser success. Right. And, but I think the key thing to kind of look at there is like specifically with the Philadelphia 76ers, there's an attempt to build a franchise that can be a, a, a big playmaker or a big, uh, a big player in the NBA championship race for years to come. Uh, the whole trust the process situation. It didn't work out. You know what I mean? At least not up to this point, it hasn't worked out. Uh, but the 76ers were good for, for a really, you know, good period of time. They've had some good players uh, come in and out of that organization. So I think that when you look at, you know, him or this group potentially owning your favorite NFL team, at least you have history and you have something to say, I know that this ownership group will want to develop a winning organization. And that's evidence of that, obviously. And then you flip over to the involvement or reported involvement of Irvin Magic Johnson and Magic, a championship caliber player in his own right during his own career, Hall of Famer, all those things. But then also minority owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers who go on to win a World Series championship. I don't remember if it was the exact same year he bought in or, or, or how long, you know, what the correlation is. But bottom line is you have to believe that Magic Johnson, yes, the Los Angeles connection obviously is, is potentially there as well, but you have to believe the Los Angeles Dodgers were a, a bottom of the barrel, you know, scraping the bottom of the minor league system, farm system, talent, all that stuff, organization, not willing to spend money, then he probably isn't getting involved. But you look at Magic and his business ventures, not just in sports, but in real estate and other things, just since he's retired from the National Basketball Association, like he's a, he's a guy who wants to win. He doesn't want to go out there and do things just to make a little bit of money. He wants to go out there and he wants to be the best at whatever he's doing. So. That's why I like that group. I think the NFL would appreciate that group. And to me, it's just kind of a gut feeling. I feel like that's probably uh, the leader in the clubhouse unless Jeff Bezos comes in in the uh, final hours and just kind of swoops in there. So winning is, is key, right? Winning is key, but also running a healthy business. And that's why I like the Harris group as well. You've got the sports ownership uh, you know, a facet of it. You've got the former athlete facet of it. You know, And Magic didn't play NFL football, but he knows what it's like to be an athlete. He knows what it's like to be under the microscope. Uh, I mean, look, the way he exited the NBA, a huge, you know, huge, huge news ordeal. And, and he navigated it, went through it, lived through it, came out successful 
uh, on the other side. So he kind of knows what's going to go into that. And then these guys obviously have all been running healthy businesses for, for years and years and years now. So I think Jason Wright's focus uh, for the ownership group before they come in is in the right place. And if that's the ownership group's decision, I think that's also the right place uh, to invest primarily, right? But then you also have to like where Jason Wright said there at the end, uh, if you were paying attention, it's about winning, quote, right? Quote, it's about winning a healthy business in a new venue. I've been asked about the new stadium deal and will the new stadium situation kind of get revved back up after the new uh, ownership group comes in? I do believe that the new stadium deals and conversations are going to get ramped up. And I do believe you're going to see the state of Maryland, hopefully D.C., and also the Commonwealth of Virginia get a little bit more interested and a little bit more agreeable once a new ownership group uh, is coming in. So Jason Wright, another quote from uh, from from Matt Paris's article there, quote, I would focus on the things that can fuel a championship. I don't know if that being a, a team name change is one of them. And, and I agree. You're not going to simply becoming the Washington Red Wolves is not going to win you a Super Bowl. Uh, but focusing on the right things with the Washington Commanders could win you uh, a Super Bowl. Doesn't mean it won't happen. Just means that there are other priorities uh, that come ahead of maybe changing the name again for a third time in five years plus if you went out and bought washington football team gear and washington commanders gear do you really want to go buy uh more new team name gear maybe you do and uh that's uh that's why we call uh fans fanatics right for a reason passionate and you love your team coming up next speaking of your team speaking of people or things that can help them win pff laid out some boom or bust draft picks at each position in the nfl draft guys that can do great or guys that can fizzle out and do almost nothing. And we're going to look at some that the Washington Commanders could be interested in this April next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're going to do that thanks to our buddies over at Built Bar. Built March Madness bracket has been here. We know your favorite bar or puff is near and dear to your heart. So now is your time to make it count by going to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. We're now into the Built A, and I am incredibly disappointed that the GOAT, Lemon dipped cheesecake puff was upset in the built 16 by that double chocolate bar. But you know what? It's okay because double chocolate, you're getting your butt whooped by brownie batter puff. I guarantee it. That's going to happen. My favorite's no longer in the running, and that does suck a little bit for me. But I can still vote for my remaining favorites. And when I do, I'm going to be entered just like you can be entered to be one of 50 lucky locked on listeners that are going to get a free box of built products. Not only that, but one locked on fan is going to get 12 months of built del delivered directly to your door with a 12 month subscription to built for free. Built Bar is the best protein bar in the market. So good for you, but tastes amazing while delivering high amounts of protein with just a little bit of sugar and covered in 100% real chocolate. So run, don't walk to builtmarchmadness.com right now. Vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box of them while you're there. That's built, Mar built March Madness on built.com. Built different. <laughs> Thanks again for making the Long Talk Commanders podcast first listen to your first view of the day. Looking at the biggest boom or bust prospects from each position group, or at least a few position groups that the Washington Commanders could be interested in this upcoming NFL draft. And these boom or bust products are coming to us courtesy of Michael Renner from Pro Football Focus. And our first boom or bust prospects is Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback out of Mississippi State with, uh, with Renner writing, quote, outliers always present risk in the draft. And Forbes is one glaring outlier at the combine. The nearly six foot one corner tipped the scales at a trim 166 pounds, making him not only the lightest cornerback to weigh in at the combine since 2000, but he'll be the lightest six foot or taller corner drafted in the top 100 
by a whopping 10 pounds. That's Devontae Smith levels of outlier, end quote. And looking at mock drafts, looking at some speculation here, uh, it looks like Forbes is a second round range type of guy. And now we talk about range, right? Because I've seen him mocked in the first round. I've seen him recently mocked in the first round to the Washington Commanders at number 16. We'll talk more about uh, the cornerback position, specifically how it relates to the Washington Commanders to pick number 16. But when you look at a guy like Forbes, right? So the boomer bust aspect here, the talent is obviously there. The athleticism is obviously there. There's ball skills. There's all the things from a, from a traits standpoint that you want in an NFL cornerback. But the dude is small. Right. He's he's got a wiry frame. Uh, the concern is going to be that he's going to get pushed around. You know, uh, they already brought in uh, Cam Dancer from the Minnesota Vikings and talking to Luke Braun of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Those are some of the concerns of him coming in. But he also Cam Dancer that is also didn't test very well. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes at least tested well, but still kind of has that frame. And you look at the Devonta Smith comparison. I mean, Washington Commanders fans, you are familiar with Devonta Smith. Uh, from a very intimate standpoint. And I got to say, my first time seeing him play in a stadium was this last season in the home game for the Washington Commanders in FedEx Field. And we all know, we don't need to rehash all the details of it, but we all know he had a pretty good game. And, and honestly, what I came away with most impressed of uh, about Don, Devontae Smith was not just that he had a really good game, but the way that he had a good game. I mean, he had a good game out physically some 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 guys some some watching commanders defenders specifically kendall fuller and kendall fuller not known as the most physical aggressive corner got it you know what i mean but Devonta smith came into that game playing a brand of football as an nfl wide receiver that honestly i did not expect to see out of a guy with his dimensions and his build much more of a finesse type player that's pretty much what i expected but he kind of showed the whole the whole the whole cliche of it's not the the size of the dog in the fight it's the size of the fight in the dog he showed that that it still uh, applies to today's NFL. So the question about Emmanuel Forbes, you know his frame is small. You know he's he's athletically talented. At the end of the day, what's going to keep him from getting pushed around the NFL field by some of these bigger wide receivers? It's the size of the fight that he's got in him. And in those interviews, in those conversations, and then watching him on film against top-level college college competition, the Washington Commanders have to decide, is he is, does he have enough fight in him as the dog in this fight to uphold or to to withstand some of the more physical wide receivers uh, in the National Football League, and are the Washington Commanders willing to take a risk on him in the second round? And then again, the second round is kind of where we're talking about that range. I know again we've seen him mocked in the first round. I'm talking second round here. If he's there in the second round, and the Commanders have not taken a cornerback in the first round, then yes, I would be willing to take a risk on Emmanuel Forbes. I think the athletic traits are there enough. I think you can, you can look at the film. And you can kind of see the, the success that he's had in college and say that, yes, there's probably enough fight in him to learn how to adapt his frame and his body to uh, the NFL game and taking that risk in the second round versus the first round, uh, much more comfortable with that. As far as the first round is concerned, I'm honestly probably not. I'm probably not going to come into it and say, look, because at the end of the day, it's not the size of the, of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog, but there's a limit to that too, right? And some guys are just going to be a little too small. And right now you look across the NFC East and the only one you really have to worry about is AJ Brown with the Philadelphia Eagles, but that could change in one year's draft class for agency period. Um, and that's just not something I would be willing personally to invest a first round pick in uh, given the the shape of, of my defense right now. And I'm going to need him to contribute almost immediately. So that's manual forms willing to take the risk. As far as I'm concerned in the second round, not as willing 
in the first round. Uh, we'll see what the Washington Commanders do if he is on the board. Our next boomer bust prospect here from PFF's Michael Renner is North Dakota State interior offensive lineman Cody Mock. Quotes, Renner writes, quote, interior line is traditionally seen as a quote-unquote safer position, and the data backs that up to a degree. It's rare to see those who play at a high level in college at either guard or center truly fall flat at the next level. That made this a difficult position to pinpoint a player for the boom or bust label. While I'd bet on mock booming rather than busting, there's still some aspects of his prospect profile that give me pause. One, he played only 16 snaps on the interior in six seasons for the Bison. Two, the massive leap up in competition from North Dakota State to the NFL. Three, he's still a work in progress in pass protection with very limited reps in a run-heavy offense. Unknowns don't necessarily mean he's incapable, but they do make prospects like Mock a touch riskier in some ways. End quote. Draft range on Cody Mock is in the third round, and I will tell you unequivocally that if he is available in the third round and we do not see an Osiris Torrance or a Steve Avila already taken off the board by the Washington Commanders, I'm absolutely taking a flyer on Cody Mock in the third round. In fact, I'd be willing to take a flyer on him in the second round. Now, and that's not to say that I'm discounting uh, Renner's concerns here. Cody Mock was a tackle in college primarily, came into the Senior Bowl, and, and essentially that was kind of the first uh, vision we got to see of him really transitioning to that guard position, and I think he did really, really well. Now, he did really, really well in the Senior Bowl. There's some good players that are going to come out of the Senior Bowl, but not every player in the Senior Bowl is going to become a J.J. Watt or a T.J. Watt for for that matter, or a, a Montez Sweat or a Jonathan Allen or a Deron Payne, right? Like none, of, like none of these guys are necessarily going to become Hall of Fame pass rushers. So while he's doing well in the senior bowl, you have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, but when you're talking third round, I mean, third round, you typically want to get some use out of a guy. But when you're looking at an offensive lineman in the third round, you're kind of okay with a developmental guy who has really, really high upside. And if you can get Cody Mock to the top of his upside, you are going to have a starting interior offensive lineman for a really, really long time. And you can look at him and honestly say, is there a chance that he becomes a starter year one? Yes, absolutely. There is a chance that he has the ability to become a starter year one. But if you need to wait till year two, year three, let him be a, a depth guy. Let him develop uh, for a season or two. You're okay with that. If Because again, if he reaches the, the height of his uh, potential, he is going to be a dude for a very long time on your offense. Next, boom or bust. Prospect from Michael Renner from Pro Football Focus is Oregon State tight end Luke Musgrave with Renner writing, quote, Musgrave is a well-proportioned six foot six and 251-pound tight end who can get away and stay away from defenders, a rarity at the position. He's also by far the least productive among the tight end prospects in the class. Three different tight ends generated more receiving yards this past season alone than Musgrave did in four seasons at Oregon State. He didn't help his case either by dropping nine of his 56 career catchable passes for the Beavers. End quote. Musgrave has a projected draft range of going in the second round. So there's some concerns there for Luke Musgrave. There's a reason why he's he's behind Dalton Kincaid. He's behind Michael Meyer. He, he or Mayer. He may be behind uh some uh, some other guys as well. I mean there's there's a lot of tight ends in this class and everybody's gonna kind of have their own flavor. Me personally, honestly I don't even have him ranked as my number one tight end in this class necessarily, but I would love to see the Washington Commanders take a chance on Georgia tight end Darnell Washington personally. But if Luke Musgrave is there in the second, and if he's the top tight end on the board, would I be okay with the Washington Commanders taking a flyer on Luke Musgrave? I would. I think that he fits kind of what Eric Bieniemy is used to coming from out of Kansas City. You have a guy like Travis Kelsey, not the greatest blocker in the NFL, but he knows how to he knows how to run routes. He knows how to separate from defenders and find space. 
Uh, Travis Kelsey, again, also wasn't the most highly touted tight end in the N or coming out of the NFL draft, a former quarterback at the University of Cincinnati, all those things. So you just got to work with them, right? Why is Luke Musgrave as high? You know, the Travis Kelsey draft pick was much less of a risk than taking a guy like Luke Musgrave in the second round. Well, everybody knows those pass catching tight ends are making a big difference in today's NFL. Logan Thomas, uh, as much as we love him, he's been struggling with injuries. He's been struggling with inconsistencies. John Bates looked like, you know, he, he was probably the better draft pick of, of his draft class. But then in year two, basically kind of looked like the same dude. Really didn't take that step forward. You kind of want to see Cole Turner struggle with injuries his rookie year. Bring another guy in there to work with uh, and see if you can get a hit with a guy like Luke Musgrave. I wouldn't hate it. I'm not going to sit here and pound the table for it, but I'm also not going to throw that idea uh, in the trash. Final boomer bust draft pick for Michael Renner uh, on pro football folks that we're going to look at today is Syracuse running back Sean Tucker. Quote, Tucker is one of the most explosive running backs you'll ever see, even if you don't believe his pro day that he posted on Twitter that has him jumping 41 and a half inches, running a 4-3-3 second, uh, 4 3 and doing 28 bench reps at 5'9 and 207 pounds. The tape still shows a player who makes those numbers in the realm of believable. For such an athletically driven uh, position like running back, that should be enough, right? Well, the tape shows questionable vision, vision questionable pass protection, and even more questionable hands. 13.7% career drop rate. That's a tough profile to square. His draft range is in the fourth round. And personally, when I look at the Washington Commanders running back room and I look at what they need to add in this year's NFL draft class, which I do believe they need to add a running back from the NFL draft, you got to be able to catch the ball. And having a 13.7 career percent a percent career drop rate is a killer. It's a, that's a deal breaker for me. So I'm saying no to Sean Tucker. Honestly, if I'm the Washington Commanders, just because of that alone, I'm taking him completely off my board. Speaking of taking people off the board, there's an owner that was rumored to be interested in the Washington Commanders who's actually not interested in the Washington Commanders. So we're going to take that person off the new ownership board, and we're going to do that next here on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. And we're going to do so thanks to our friends over at FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is heating up and coming to an end, and there's no better place or time to get in on the action than with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new users, you get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. And then you can wager on everything from the money line to the point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets. And you can do it all on an app that is safe, secure, and believe me, super, super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. up here on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Fox Business reported earlier this week that Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban was quote-unquote eyeing the Washington Commanders, purchasing the Washington Commanders. Well, my boss at Sports Illustrated's fan nation, Mike Fisher, who covers Dallas sports and has been covering Dallas sports for a long, 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 long time, personally spoke with Mark Cuban, who said, quote, I love basketball, period, end of story. End quote. So, no, Mark Cuban is not interested in buying the Washington Commanders. He loves basketball, and that's the end of the story. That's according to Mark Cuban himself. So, if you hear that rumor or if you hear other people spreading that rumor, please help each other out. Help out fellow Commanders fans. Mark Cuban not in the running for the uh, purchasing of the Commanders organization. So, interesting. I can't lie. I would not have minded meeting Mark Cuban at a ownership introductory uh, press conference, but 
It is what it is. Back to a little bit of NFL draft conversation. We've got a mock draft Monday coming up to start next week, and we've, I've got a question that I want uh, a little bit of help with from you guys with, if you can uh, help me out here. And it's going to be based on an NFL article that recently came out that talked about the Washington Commanders needing to nail this year's NFL draft. And I think that's 100% accurate, especially if you're looking at the coaching staff, Ron Rivera, and you're looking at the head shed, Martin Mayhew, all those guys. I think you do. You need to come out in this next season. You need to have some rookies that show a lot of potential, make an impact on your team. Give the new ownership group every reason in the world to think maybe we should not uh, let go of this guy, let go of this staff. So in order to do that, the Washington have to make sure they get the talent they're eyeing and that they're targeting, right? The problem with that is sitting at number 16, there are people, there are teams who could look to jump ahead of them to get players that the Washington Commanders might want. And we're talking specifically, mostly about cornerbacks like Penn State's Joey Porter Jr., Deontay Banks out of Maryland, and maybe even Mississippi State's Emmanuel Forbes. I wouldn't take a flyer on him in the first, but that doesn't mean the Washington Commanders wouldn't take a flyer on him in the first. Those cornerbacks present a very interesting option because there is a string of teams starting at pick number 22. I think it's 22, 23, and 24. All three of those teams, the Baltimore Ravens at least being one of them, need a cornerback as well. And if the cornerback well has dried up in the first round to the point where you just have Joey Porter, Deontay Banks, and Emmanuel Forbes left out there as potential day one targets, any of those three teams from 22, 23, 24 could look to jump up to say, number 15 and get ahead of the commanders to take the prospect the washington commanders are looking to get and it really wouldn't take that much according to the trade pick value charts um traditionally used for for valuing trade picks in, in nfl draft trades early 20 range to move up to number 15 just ahead of the washington commanders would cost that team moving up just a third round pick and if you're lucky enough you can push it down away to the 2024 third round pick you don't even have to use this year's third round pick in order to make that happen so the washington commanders have to be aware of that potential and, and i'm sure that they are aware of that potential but the question really is is how much does that impact their own draft strategy because the 20s are are within range striking distance right but the team that owns the 17th overall pick that's the real threat and that's the pittsburgh steelers because they need a cornerback and joey porter jr just so happens to be a legacy of the pittsburgh steelers joey porter senior played for the pittsburgh steelers for a very very long time did a lot of things for them in that franchise. The Pittsburgh Steelers would fill a need by getting Joey Porter Jr. And they would put a lot of fans in a very good place, sell a lot of jerseys, probably sell some extra tickets by bringing Joey Porter Jr. into the organization. And the Green Bay Packers sitting at 15, according to most people's draft needs, I don't cover the Green Bay Packers, so I'll kind of have to take it at the, at the word of guys like NFL.com and the draft dudes and all that. The Green Bay Packers don't need a cornerback in the first round so with the green bay packers trade back from 15 to 17 with the pittsburgh steelers 100 percent so the next question is would the green bay packers trade back from 15 to 16 and let the washington commanders move up to that spot so they could get joey porter jr i know a lot of commanders fans i know you like joey porter a lot joey porter jr a lot i have some concerns they're not fair concerns because they are a transfer of what we saw with William Jackson, and I'm transferring them on to Joey Porter Jr. I acknowledge that, and I own that, but those are my concerns. Um, but again, I wouldn't hate to see Joey Porter Jr. running around in a commander's uniform. But again, the question is, if he gets past number 10, do you, if you're the Washington Commanders, start looking at a trade-up knowing that the Pittsburgh Steelers are sitting there, the Baltimore Ravens are sitting there, and there's multiple other teams 
within 10 or so picks of the Green Bay Packers, potentially able to trade up to get a cornerback. So my question to you, Commanders fan, is there a prospect? Is it Joey Porter Jr.? Is there another prospect that if they get past number 12 or number 10, you want the Commanders to trade up? Doesn't have to be the number 11, could be 12, 13, 14, 15. But is there a prospect that if they make it far enough down the board, you want the Washington Commanders to start looking at trade up to go get that guy before one of the teams behind them trade up ahead of the Commanders to get that same guy? Let me know who the guy you want is. Drop him uh, in the comments here on YouTube. Or if you're listening in audio form, hit me up on Twitter, dharrison82, or email me at lockedoncommanders at gmail.com. That's question. We're going to answer that question on our mock draft Monday episode. And we're probably going to dive into some mock draft scenarios, kind of look at what that might look like uh, and what the ramifications of that trade could be uh, if you're the Washington Commanders. Until then, I want to thank you again for making Locked On Commanders your first listen or your first view of the day. For your second, please check out check out the Locked On NFL Scouting uh, podcast with the draft dudes from free agency to the draft salary cap management and more. NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino take you inside what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise. Find Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. I will be back Monday, Mock Draft Monday coming up. We're going to dive into this potential trade-up scenario, but we're also going to talk about some other things. If you want to get in on the fun, if you want to submit a Mock Draft to be reviewed for Mock Draft Monday, send them in to email, the email at LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com or on Twitter or text me at any time. Just send me a screenshot of that Mock Draft to 202-760-2644. Signing off for today. I'm David Harrison, staff writer for Commander Country, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. Find me there, find me here, find me on Twitter at dharrison82. Until we speak again, if you're out about, please be safe this weekend, be kind to one another, and I'll see you right back here next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.